0: Good morning, 837, sunshine, 74, beautiful degrees here in Detroit Lakes. City is a hodgepodge on this Tuesday, July 7th. I'm Joel Ketke. Joining us this morning in segment one is State Representative Paul Markhor. joins us this morning. Good morning, Paul.
1: Well, good morning to you, Joel. Nice to be with you.
0: Well, it's good to have you back with us here on HodgePodge. Of course, uh, things continue to change almost on a daily basis here in the state of Minnesota. So uh, we reach out to Paul uh, to bring us the latest information. Paul, a host of topics we want to get on, uh, touch on today. First off, let's start. uh, We talked last time about the uh, CARES funding for local government. Uh, Paul, where are we at with the CARES funding?
1: You bet. The last time we talked... Um, we hadn't quite got that done during the special session we had. But I had mentioned that the governor was probably going to announce it, and he did a couple days after that. So that's official now. Cities and counties know what they're getting, and that's you know part of the $2.2 billion that the federal government uh, sent out to uh, the state of Minnesota uh, through part of that CARES funding, that national bill, about half of that is going to go out to local units of government. And so that the formula is set. And so this is to uh, fight expenses, take care of the expenses on the fight of COVID-19, but also another important part of it, which I really pushed for as we worked on the bill was to make sure we get dollars out for economic support. So dollars out to businesses impacted by the COVID-19. And so Becker County, for example, is going to get about four point two million dollars. The city of Detroit Lakes about seven hundred fourteen thousand. They can spend dollars out of that to help businesses impacted by COVID nineteen. So they've had to close, or they've even had uh, less customers than the year before. This is a way for cities and counties to customize economic development grants and programs and get those out to those businesses who have suffered the most. So I really excited about that part um, besides just handling other things. so that's going to help our local units of government uh, provide that funding to our law enforcement, our first responders, you know firefighters, nurses and so forth who are you know on the front lines of the COVID 19 fight, but also to get important dollars out to businesses who really need relief.
0: Paul, uh, we also talked about the bonding bill. Uh, Where are we at with the current bonding bill?
1: They're negotiating. Now, uh, I think on uh, Friday, uh, which will be the 10th, the governor is going to announce that we're going to have a special session on July 13th. And the bonding bill is one of those things being worked on right now. I hope we can still get that. There are a couple very important projects for... Uh, Becker County, uh, the city of Detroit Lakes area in the uh, Becker County Museum, and also the Heartland Trail. So those are important projects that uh, folks have worked really hard on, and there's a lot of public local support for those projects. I'm hoping we can keep that funding in and get some funding to those programs, but the bonding bill is important. I mean, you've got these are projects that will put people to work. Interest rates are low right now. Contractors are hungry, so prices are coming in fairly good. And so this is the time where we need to invest in long-term projects that benefit our state overall.
0: Paul, you talked about that bonding bill uh, and also the, uh, the special session. That kind of leads me to my next question about the governor and emergency powers. What do you think is going to happen here on the 12th?
1: I think uh, what has to happen uh, is the governor, since we're not in session, has to call us back. if He wants to extend his emergency powers another month. He wants to extend those powers. So uh, unless both houses, both the House and Senate, vote to not allow him to do that, it will continue forward. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think the Senate will vote against providing the powers. I think the House will vote to continue that, which means it will continue for another month. But, you know, I just think right now we're in a stage where, you know, everything is moving in the right direction. And a lot of the executive orders that were put in place were to really build up our capabilities in, you know, ICU beds, uh, personal protection equipment, ventilators, testing, so forth. We're there. We can do that. And I think At this point, the legislature uh, has to have more input in that process.
0: Paul, the uh, Mankato City Council voted uh, last night to uh, require people in public to wear face masks. I think they're one of not one of the, but uh, some of the cities have have gone that route. And now we're hearing that uh, the governor might look at something similar. Paul, I'm just going to put this out there to you. Uh, Obviously, outstate Minnesota, things a little different than the metro area. Places like Mankato, St. Cloud, larger population centers... Paul, is this something we're going to see as a statewide mandate where people have to wear masks in public?
1: First of all, i like to see things on a regional basis, you know, kind of let each area look at how things are affecting them. But here's where I'm at, is that if we can prevent the governor having to dial back down or close businesses again, uh, I would support mandatory face mask wearing in public spaces. I mean, you, what you're seeing around the nation is all of these cases going back up again. Now, that's not the case in Minnesota right now, but in all these other states, you're seeing that. And even a major retailers, those that represent Target and Home Depot and some of these big chains, went to the National Governors Association just the last couple days and said, Please require residents to wear masks because they're worried about what happens in their retail and the fact that if if this doesn't happen, they're going to have to close things back down again. And that's the last thing I want. Now, personally, I wear a mask when I'm in a public place, in a business or a church or wherever. I wear a mask. And it's not so much to protect me. It's to protect others, you know, as uh so the you know the droplets and that don't get into the air and it, to me it's kind of consideration for others so well right now i don't know if we have to mandate masks but again if we can prevent the governor having to close businesses back down again having to dial back and saying this is a way in which we can prevent what's happening in other states of it going up then i would support uh, mandating masks but Will the governor do it? I mean, he could, if that's what he's thinking. And rather than dialing back down to do this, uh, we'll wait and see. And I I know Mankato did that. Uh, Was that last night, Joel, I think? It was, yep, last last. night. Yeah, so I mean, and and I have no problem with that either. Each locality um, with local control, taking that upon themselves if they want. I don't know if we're quite there uh, to have to mandate statewide, but Again, if it prevents us from having to dial back, uh, I certainly uh, would rather have that than closing businesses back down again.
0: John, it's on the phone this morning here in Hodgepodge, State Representative Paul Marquardt, District 4B House Representative. Paul, uh, you know, we're talking about this COVID-19. So this thing hit in March and nobody really knew what was going on on a national or regional level. Uh, the governor put his order in place minnesotans kind of got through it so did other states and now we're seeing texas california arizona states that kind of reopened early because they didn't have the numbers are now seeing a resurgence in covid 19 positive testing some of that's due to the number of tests available but obviously we're seeing some resurgence also in new york Um, again we are trying to follow the protocols put forth by the state and we don't want to have another shutdown. Paul, just as you look at things across the country, we're in a pandemic like nobody has ever seen, certainly not in your lifetime or my lifetime. Trying to disseminate the information on how states and regions should move forward with this has really been uh, some critical thinking here for everybody in the Midwest.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we're not out of the woods yet. And, you know, people have to realize that. And you know, right now, the numbers look good in minnesota where we at one time were you know around 250 uh use of icu beds i think today the latest reporter yesterday was 125 that's good i mean things are moving down deaths are moving down cases per hundred thousand moving down all of those are correct but we can't let our guard down and i know you know like after this uh, july 4th weekend what i'm hearing is that there was a lot of People adhering to, to things, social distancing, and so forth, but you know, just with that type of a celebration, uh, it's it's just probably impossible to completely do that. And I know the state's saying it's going to take two or three weeks to kind of see even what July Fourth meant for folks. But you're right. What we're seeing in other states is this is going back up, and they always talked about kind of a second surge, but maybe not happening until fall. And in a lot of these states, it's happening earlier. So I just think we have to keep a real close watch on things, Uh, you know, continue to practice the social distancing and covering your mouth and not going to work if you're ill and all those types of things, just kind of those general things. And, you know, I wear a mask when I go into a a building. I I just think um, it, it helps protect others.
0: Paul, you talked about the fall, which leads me to my next question. Obviously, school kids uh, were out in mid-March, did not return, did the uh, social distancing and e-learning for the rest of the school year. Now we're uh, midway through summer, unbelievably, looking fall in the face. Uh, I know there's a three-phase program as far as uh, what the state would like to see. Paul, how how do you see uh, schools reopening here uh, come fall?
1: The state said they'll be out by July 27th with, with the guidelines and to what a local school districts can do. And as you alluded to, they can either go, you know, the three options right now that they're supposed to prepare for is either totally in-house, a combination of in-house and distance learning. And then a third one, just the distance learning. Uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, I talked one-on-one with the governor and brought this issue up to him, And I, said what you should do is really set the basic parameters of what are the guidelines, here's what you want folks to follow, and then let each school district decide which option they want based on what is happening with COVID-19 in their own local situation. So I'm I'm still hoping that's kind of what happens. But what I think will happen, and I'll I'll go back to teaching in the fall, uh, too, uh, I think it's going to be a combination. I, I really do, because I'm looking at social distancing. And in my classroom right now, there's 30 desks. We can get 30 students in there. But if you're going to keep a six-foot distance, I looked at that, you probably can get 12 students in. So I think you may you know, be going somewhat even in shifts, where you've got one group coming in in the morning, and then you clean everything up, disinfect, and then you bring another group in, And so it's going to be somewhat of a combination of in the school and probably some distance learning. That's what I kind of see probably is what's going to happen. But I do think it's important, as I said to the governor, is let each school district decide. Don't do a one size fits all, just kind of a blanket approach. Allow each school district to decide what's best.
0: Paul, final question before we let you go here this morning. uh, Last time we talked, of course, uh, we were talking about police accountability in uh, the death of George Floyd. Uh, Things have certainly settled down a little bit, but still nationally this is a topic and locally uh, throughout Minnesota uh, as far as police accountability. Paul, uh, now that things have died down a little bit, obviously, they're still still fresh in people's minds. What are we looking at here in Minnesota as far as uh, how we move forward in police accountability?
1: I know the House and the Senate had talked a lot about that, and I think it had come pretty close to coming up with an agreement to do some things. There's certainly some things that that need to be done. Uh, The big concern that I have had is that making sure that it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. And the the police reform bill that came up in the House I voted against, uh, I like the number of things in there, but I just couldn't vote for it. Because it had a couple of big provisions that I've talked to local sheriffs and local police chiefs and uh, just my gut instinct on this. And one was transferring all of the police-related deaths, that prosecution, to the attorney general's office in St. Paul. And there's no way in which we should be taking rural situations, rural police death situation, uh, and transferring that decision making to the twin cities and to one person we just that absolutely cannot be done and the second thing that was in the bill that i just cannot support is changing the definition of when a police officer has to use deadly force because any delay that an officer might have in trying to decide whether or not they should do something could cost them their life so i i couldn't support that but there are things that uh, we're in the bill that both the House and the Senate are agreeing on, Democrats and Republicans, and that's banning chokeholds unless it's, you know, just the the, the life of the police officers at stake or requiring a police officer to intercede when there's excessive force, allowing cities and counties to, you know, impose resi- residency requirements, setting up various training and, and so forth. Those are all good and, uh, you know, could be, could be done. But uh, right now, uh, hopefully they they get to an agreement that takes out a couple of those really bad things that I think would really hurt uh, law enforcement in our area.
0: Paul, anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up this morning?
1: Well, I hope everyone had a very nice uh, Independence Day. It's, you know, it's, it's nice to try to get back to somewhat of a new normal or whatever. I mean, this is we're in the middle of a 100-year pandemic, And we've done very, very well in dealing with it as a people and a state. And, um, you know, I guess as a legislator, I certainly recognize the sacrifices people are going through and so forth. And, uh, you know, if we get back to kind of a new normal, just stay very vigilant. And, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. And um, hopefully when we go back on Monday, we can get a few things done, get this bonding bill done. There's still some tax provisions. I would like to get done as the tax there, and so uh, hopefully we'll have a little more success this time in our special session.
0: Paul, appreciate your time with us today on Hodgepodge. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.
1: You bet. Thanks, bud. Still.
0: All right. That is State Representative of District House District Four B, Paul Markwart, joining us here this morning on Hodgepodge. We're going to take a break. Stick around. Part two of Hodgepodge on a Tuesday. Becker County Energize.